Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The Saudis need to come to their senses. We're going to react to Saudi Arabia. They have committed a humongous blunder. Russia knows that nuclear war cannot be won. The 2022 midterm elections. Blowout year for Republicans. You cannot afford to lose. Rising crime. Defund the police. It's insane. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. News and Views for a Wednesday, and we are scheduled to have Congressman Ted Budd on with us at 520, so stay tuned for that. News and Observers reporting just 5% of eligible adults in North Carolina have been vaccinated with the newest COVID-19 booster, according to data from the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. Dr. Cameron Wolf, an infectious disease expert at Duke, said a low vaccination rate is particularly worrying for the winter, which is when cases of COVID-19 have surged historically. We'll see more cases, simple as that. He says, frankly, I am floored that a guy as bright as this Cameron Wolf would say something like that. I mean, have, you, have you listened to the news this week, just this week? Yeah. Where, I mean, you, you've got the Surgeon General of Florida – Florida actually said, hey, you know what? Maybe it's time to do a study on the COVID shot, and particularly the uh, Myrna vaccine. And they did. And you know what they found out? If you're an, a young adult, 18, male, 18 to 39, you better not get it because mm-hmm. there's a good chance you're going to have heart issues. And yet at the same time, we still have the Biden administration saying, young man, if you're in the military and you don't get vaccinated, you're getting the boot. As well as first responders through, yeah. you know, all throughout Democrat-run cities and towns across America, you know, uh, first responders, nurses, doctors, military. I mean, and then also this week, uh, what was it? The, the Pfizer. Pfizer, uh, yes. Pfizer uh, representatives. Oh, yeah, we, we released it. Didn't know if it would work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pfizer executive Janie Small appearing on behalf of the CEO of Pfizer and World Economics Forum stooge Albert Burla testified before the European Union Parliament on Monday. A Dutch member of the parliament, a guy named Rob Roos, asked her a question about the Pfizer research. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? Just give me a yes or no. No dodging the question, please. Uh, Regarding the question around, mm, did we know about stopping the immunization uh, before it entered the market? Uh, No, no, we did not. She said with a nervous laugh, you know, we really had to move at the speed of science to really understand what was taking place in the market. And from that point of view, we had to do everything at risk. I think Dr. Bulla would have, uh, even though he's not here, I think he would have uh, turned around and said, uh, if us, then who? So we had to move at the speed of science. What is that? More word salad. More word salad. Yeah, speed of science means uh, – Speed of it, science would actually mean you're going to take the time to research it and make sure it works. Yeah, I mean we're not uh, we're not testing this on lab rats. We're releasing yep. it around the world and, and letting the world be a test case. Yep. But, hey, you know what? The, the uh, North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services, a.k.a. Uh, Roy Cooper's uh, administration, uh, yeah, they're going to they're gonna follow in lockstep, salute the uh, – Great Fauci. Can't make it up. Fauci, yeah. Anthony <laughs> Fauci. Uh, Just the News has broken an interesting story. A couple of other publications have picked up on it. 
it is dealing with the uh, John Durham case and uh, his prosecution of uh, Igor Danchenko. Uh, Newsmax in the right scoop also picked up on this. They have are reporting that the FBI offered Christopher Steele a million dollars to prove his allegations in the phony dossier um, trying to destroy Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> they're not <laughs> – I mean, this is mind-boggling. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt, but from, Go from, for it. from a law enforcement perspective, if we got any law enforcement out there that are – you know, investigators, call in and, and see what you think about this. The FBI <clears throat> directed someone and directed that they would pay him to go find some evidence and we'll we'll get a charge. It's yeah. like they don't do that. It's a setup. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's a sting operation. Pe- it's people bring evidence to law enforcement uh, to to get charges. Not, I mean, the FBI was like requesting. To go get some information so we can get a charge. I, and, I just can't and, believe well, it. Well, the other thing is, here's a million dollars, and if you don't have the evidence, maybe you can take this and, and go buy it. You think they're going to be motivated to make it? Yeah. Up? I mean, goodness. Wow. This is um, uh, cut cut to uh, – this is former federal prosecutor Cash Patel. This guy's sharp. I, I think he's of Indian descent. Um this is what he had to say concerning the revelation that the FBI was willing to pay Christopher Steele as much as a million dollars to corroborate information to take down Donald Trump. Me, the lead Russiagate investigator who sent out with Devin Nunes 17 congressional subpoenas for information specifically related to payments and confidential human sources, were denied this information and we learn it four years after our investigation. That means somebody obstructed a congressional investigation with congressional subpoenas. That's a story for another day. Me as a national security prosecutor, I would say I'm floored by this, but the FBI corruption, as you, John, and, and Amanda and I have talked about, never seems to amaze me. The confidential human source corruption cover-up network, as I have called it, is now yet in play again. We proved the dossier was full of garbage, and we proved that the FBI knew it was false information, but they went ahead and lied to a federal court anyway. Now your breaking news shows us the depths that they would go to to falsely corroborate the Steele dossier, which, as you pointed out, shows they didn't have it verified, which we've said the whole time. And more importantly, they were willing to spend a million taxpayer dollars on shoveling political hot garbage through the federal court system just to surveil a political target that would have been totally baseless. It was baseless then. This extra layer adds another reason for Chris Ray's immediate impeachment and the immediate exposure of all these documents. That was Cash Patel, an interview he did with Just the News. Dancheco faces five counts for allegedly lying to the FBI about his role in gathering information about then-GOP presidential nominee Donald Trump during his 2016 White House bid as a part of a federal investigation into alleged collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign. Uh, now, this is really the second uh, case that, uh, that Durham has taken to court. Uh, the first trial was uh, in Washington, D.C. in May. Uh, Michael Sussman got away with uh, lying to the FBI. Um, this this seems a little bit more uh, cut and dry. I'll, I'll be shocked if Danchenko manages to get out of this. Uh, the first count focuses on whether he talked to Democrat operative Charles Dolan about the dossier. 
The four others are all connected to a call Dancheco suggested he had with Belarusian-born businessman, a guy named Sergei Millen, who at the time was serving as president of the Russian-American Chamber of Commerce, and whether the information in the dossier was indeed from Millen. Now, and this guy, Sergei Millen, just said, I've never talked to the guy. And apparently he never did. But um, it was during today, Durham on Wednesday, presented the emails to the jury uh, during FBI intelligence analyst Brian Alton's second day on the witness stand. Alton yesterday disclosed the FBI offered former British spy Christopher Steele as much as a million dollars to corroborate information in the Trump opposition research dossier he compiled for the agency and to which Danchenko was the primary contributor. Now, it's a, how, did, how did Christopher Ray get under the radar and ended up being the nomination of Donald Trump? I mean, is, is the deep state so deep that they could lie to Donald Trump that this is the guy you need to put in charge of the FBI? Well, you know, I guess was I, Donald Trump's attorney general, you know, bottom line was ineffective. Um, Barr. Well, but prior to Barr, uh, the Georgia former, uh, Oh, oh um, um, no, Alabama. Um, Alabama. Uh, I'll quickly forget yeah. the older gentleman who was – he actually ran for president, and then he ended up being the attorney general. So I assume probably some of that came from his recommendation, I would think, because Ray was early yeah. on in the administration. But, I, you know, how, how can you – how can you have this happen? I mean, the FBI is supposed to be America's obviously, you know, top cop organization. The Attorney General is supposed to be the, you know, top uh, law enforcement officer in America. Yeah. And this happened uh, right in front of everybody's eyes. Now we're hearing more and more of this. I, I knew that case, regardless of the outcome of that case with the Durham case, there would be a lot of discovery, a lot of evidence like this that would break. But the interesting thing, unless unless this happened in the last five minutes, you read those those sources there, not a peep on any of the major news outlets. No. They're, they're not they, a peep. They're doing everything to protect. That's a big deal that the FBI yeah. offered somebody a million dollars to go find me some evidence. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Can you imagine? <laughs> they would be – their heads would be exploding if this was on a shoe on the other foot, if this was something that Donald Trump had done – to take down his political enemies. This started during the Obama administration. Oh, yeah. Um, under his direction, oh, without yeah. a doubt, and just continued. Um, I'm, I'm sure in hindsight, Donald Trump, should he should have said, you know what, every single person that the president has the authority to get out of this position, get them out. Yeah. Whether it's um, Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump that enters the White House next, I'm, I'm fairly – feeling fairly confident i know it's two years away and that's a lifetime in politics but uh yeah. whoever it is boy it, it's going to be interesting you're going to have to have a deep state czar whose job and and uh mission is to just get rid of anybody in the deep state i mean th- there needs to be major firings and quite frankly uh, it needs to start with Christopher Ray as soon yeah. as uh, November 8th election results are they, counted. They, they better go ahead and line up some book deals. Yeah, really. <laughs> Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
This is such an evil force undermining our country right now. With the midterms fast approaching. People are panicking when they see that the prices in the supermarket are this high and the gasoline is this high. A lot of people are talking. It's unbelievable what we watch it. This gender tyranny going on is mental capacity is absolutely diminished. It's Marxist destruction of the family. And you're invited to join the conversation. We're a world of hurt in this country. Let your voice be heard this November. Register to vote now at vote.gov from Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in. It is uh, National Savings Day. It's also National Pull Pork Day. So that ought to get your uh, North Carolina roots excited. And yesterday was what? Southern Foods. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a good week for Southern food. All right. Uh, Congressman Ted Budd vying to be the next U.S. Senator from North Carolina. He is in a tight race with Sherry Beasley. In fact, looking at the polling, uh, the latest polling from 538 actually has Ted taking a little bit of a – I mean, it is close, but uh, the, the spread increased a little bit. As of October 11th, they have Ted Budd at 45.4%, Beasley at 438 that's a combination of eight and Ted is Ed. <laughs> Congressman Ted Budd is on the phone with us right now. Congressman, welcome in. Good to have you with us again. It's great to be with you all. Thanks for having me back. You bet. Um, 27 days from Election Day. Give us your observations on your campaign, your momentum, how the overall race is going, your thoughts. Well, North Carolina is always close. I like to say that it's the NASCAR state. You don't win by letting off the gas in the corners and we're going into uh, turn four here with 27 days, and uh, you know, we've got to be hammered down. And, and, and for us, that just means we stay focused, we stay humble, we ask people for their votes, and uh, we just can't let up. I mean, we've been to all 100 counties. We're continuing to travel all over the state. Um, groups are coming behind us. Uh, you know, so pleased that various law enforcement groups starting uh, last year with the National Border Patrol Council endorsed me. And then now we see groups that had endorsed my opponent, Sherry Beasley, like the North Carolina Troopers Association. Y'all watch your speed if you're listening in the car. And uh, so the Troopers Association endorsed me and then the Police Benevolent Association uh, and the North Carolina Fraternal Order of Police. Just so honored that they would, you know, look at my candidacy and say, Ted Budd is the one that supports law enforcement, which makes our streets and our neighborhoods safer. Just, I think it was just yesterday, UNCTV reported that Senate Majority PAC uh, that is aligned with uh, Chuck Schumer is spending $4 million for an ad campaign over the next two weeks in North Carolina. And what really surprised me about that, and which is, I, I mean, I, I guess that was a last-minute surge because I know you've gotten some support from uh, Mitch McConnell's group, and I think uh, 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 Donald Trump obviously has been campaigning for you. But what surprised me about this is they're going to use that $4 million to campaign against you on the issue of abortion. And, and, and Benny and I have just talked about that just yesterday. The fact is abortion doesn't even show up in the polling. I mean, when, you, when all the concerns about uh, the, the, that Americans have, that North Carolinians have, abortion comes in below other. And yet this is what they want to uh, attack you on? You know, it just shows how out of touch they are with North Carolinians. I mean, people are around, and it comes in different ways, whether I'm in the, the cities or whether I'm in the suburbs or out. You know, I live in Davie County, more of a rural area. But they're talking about inflation, and they're yeah. talking about crime. Uh, whether it's crime, whether it's local uh, in Fentanyl here on the ground, or whether it's uh, 
uh, you know, down at the border. And they're talking about education because that may not be a completely a federal issue. That's mostly happens in Raleigh and our local school boards. But they're saying they want to parents are saying they want to say in their kids education. And I'm all for that. But I, it just shows you how the Democrats have repeatedly wasted money over and over again. And look, if they want to waste money here, I'm not going to waste money. We've got a lot of people that have stepped up, small dollar donors from all 100 counties, grateful for them. And we're not going to waste a penny on this campaign. But they are uh, the Democrats have a habit of just wasting gobs of money that could be probably better otherwise spent yeah. <laughs> paying for somebody's groceries, perhaps. But uh, but right now, it's uh, we hope they waste every penny, but we're not going to waste any on our Republican side. But one of the things, Tom, is every single flavor of Republican, no matter what background you are, we're pulling together in the same direction on this race. And I'm just very thankful that we're unified and uh, we're working towards the win in 27 days. Talking to Congressman Ted Budd, vying to be the next U.S. Senator, replace Richard Burr. Speaking of abortion, there was one thing that uh, Beasley said in the debate last Friday night that I just about fell out of my chair when I heard it. When the the issue of abortion came up, she said every woman has the constitutional right to abortion. Now, we know that she was a judge because she told us about a dozen times during the debate (laughs) that she's been a judge for the last 20 years. But I'm thinking, Judge, did you not hear about the Dobbs case? Yeah, maybe her, you know, it's on a sound delay or something like that. And it just took, uh, I don't know, a hundred or more days for the message to get to her. But uh, it's not enumerated in the Constitution. Uh, the Dobbs decision made it clear. And look, this decision belongs in Raleigh rather right. than in Washington, D.C. And right. if they're going to do something crazy to federalize it like this extreme bill, I mean, this is the most awful bill that anyone's ever seen. Is a soak, and they, they give it these innocuous names like Women's Health Protection Act. Well, we're all right. for women's health, of course, right. and right. protection. But this is the most extreme abortion bill in history. I, I mean, abortion, this is what Sherry Beasley believes. Uh, it's abortion at any time for any reason, all the way up until the very moment of birth. And they want to do that at taxpayer expense. And if you check with North Carolinians, that's out of touch with them, especially right now that they're trying to figure out how to pay for groceries and gas and back to school clothes about six weeks ago. And, you know, then you got Thanksgiving meals coming up uh, next month. I mean, this is this is getting out of hand. And everything that Democrats are doing is making life worse for us. Everything Sherry Beasley would do would make life, life worse for us and less safe. Everything that I'm going to do would make life better for us here in North Carolina. Uh, Cong- Congressman Bud, this is Benny Hardy. Um, last Benny? last Friday's debate, <clears throat> yeah, of course, it's hard to call it a debate these days. I think it's more about messaging. I think by probably most objective measures, you did a much better job of getting your messaging out to the voters, also linking um, Cherry Beasley with Joe Biden and, and the Democrats. But one thing that she hit on that uh, – Quite frankly, I'm hearing from a lot of farmers because, you know, I come from a – I'm the first generation in my family in 250 years not to farm for my main main source of living. But her ads about the uh, agrobiotech civil case that your family was involved in, honestly, uh, is, is pretty effective. And, you know, I'm, I'm telling the farmers to do, do their research. Um, you know, and she brought it up the other, last Friday night. Uh, you care to set, set the record straight on that ad that she keeps? Uh, seems like every time I turn on the television, I see it. You care to set the record straight on exactly what went on with that? Yeah, of course, Benny. That was a, a publicly traded company. I believe it was on NASDAQ uh, that had bought a uh, grass seed business we had. So I would never even work for that business. So it bought it. 
Uh, and then years later, you know, uh, it went out of business. But that was something that I never even worked for. So it's a real stretch for her to talk about that. But why would, you know, it, and if it rightfully upsets farmers because we have to take care of them. But I will say one of the things that uh, ABA just came out for me today, supporting with a pro-farm uh, ad, and the Farm Bureau just last week, uh, Sherry Beasley spoke uh, for the North Carolina Agricultural Council. A few minutes later, I spoke. And uh, at the end of that, the Farm Bureau uh, gave me the Friend of Farmers Award. But I will tell you, Benny, what really hurts farmers, it's not some stretch commercial that uh, she comes up with for a company I never worked for. But it inflation, the cost of inputs, uh, inability of the Biden administration to deal with rail and potential strikes. I mean, all this stuff is hurting our farmers. Um, the, the rising cost of natural gas, which produces our fertilizer which goes in our ground which produces our groceries the cost of diesel fuel that's what hurts farmers and ultimately hurts our consumers let's assume that uh, and i think it's a fair assumption i think it's a probable assumption that the republicans take the house and the senate and uh, and and i think it's also probable i, I mean I, I look at the polling and i say okay well it's a neck and neck race but i, I you, you look at the circumstances of where we are as a nation, the favorability of Biden is just falling through the floor. And, okay, let's let's assume Ted Budd is elected. Let's, let's assume we get the House and the Senate. What can we do? What can you do? What can a Republican-led House and Senate do to curb the, the Biden administration or Obama 2.0 in terms of things like the border, crime, inflation, so if we have the House, we have the Senate, but we don't have the White House, is that enough to begin to turn the ship around? Well, think about it like driving a car. You know, I said we're from the racing stage. So think about this in terms of gas and brakes. The first two years, you predominantly have the brakes with legislation uh, and with uh, with the hearings. Because I'm, like, I'm on the Financial Services Committee right now. When I look behind me, I see Maxine Waters as the chairwoman. She got that gavel from Nancy Pelosi because they're in the majority in the U.S. House. And when I look to my left, I see on the Financial Services Committee, three out of four of the squad. And those are the people that want to run your banking, your insurance, your housing, and the rest of the economy. But I get to say anything I want to in the hearings we have for five minutes, but I don't get to control what the hearing is about. So what we get to do are the right, when we take back the House and we take back the Senate, we get to hold the administration accountable for what they've done to hurt us as a country for the last two years and it's everything is not about revenge so take take that off the table this is about getting our country back on the right track and having a government doing what it's supposed to be doing that is protecting the rights of our citizens rather than taking them away so we get things back on track in the first two years by using the brake pedal and then in 2024 we can we can gas it in the right direction which we did in 2016 when Trump won, we brought down, we, uh, we gave 95% of individuals out there a tax cut. Um, we uh, revamped um, the VA for our veterans. Uh, we did so many things. We led to the fastest uh, wage increases for those at the bottom of the economic pyramid, lowest unemployment in history for women, for Hispanics, for African-Americans. We were winning, and we can get back to that with a gas pedal. We can do some of those things in 2022. And we can do a lot of those things in 2024. 
Ted, I know you profess to be a Christian, and so many of the issues that our country is facing are are moral issues, <laughs> violence, human trafficking, sexual perversion, absentee parents, the list goes on and on and on. And listen, I, I, I do not want or expect the government to be the church or endorse a particular religion. I think that would go against our Constitution. But I sure don't want the government to block the church or prohibit the free exercise of religion. And we see cake makers, we see photographers, we see web designers, we see florists, uh, all being held at bay by some government entity. Uh, they're basically saying, listen, you follow our woke mandates or we're going to put you out of business with fines and even even some are being threatened with jail time. Uh, boy, it, I mean, it really does appear that, that we've got a spiritual battle going on here. React, react to that, if you would. Well, I would agree 100% because we have to deal with a lot of these things in government at a surface level. But this really uh, emanates about, you know, personnel is policy so it's the persons that you put in elected office and in the bureaucracies around the country that live out of their worldview because all of us 100 percent of the time completely are operating out of our worldview yes and when you divorce ourselves from a predominantly christian worldview and i'm talking about historically not that everyone was christian but they predominantly held a judeo-christian western worldview right and that led to unparamount uh, success and peace and prosperity despite what the left and the few college professors would say, unprecedented um, well-being in the world. And when we divorce ourselves from that, things begin to fall apart. Uh, you begin to have no moral uh, reason for doing the right thing. And so I, I think um, a lot of these problems are solved at the kitchen table, and a lot, of, a lot of them are really solved by going to our Creator in prayer and asking for His restoration and forgiveness. And for me... That was coming to Christ and trusting Him as my Savior. Uh, con <clears throat> Congressman Bud, um, full disclosure, I'm accountant by trade, so I'm kind of a numbers guy. Um, you fa Are you fast an introvert or <clears throat> expert accountant? Uh, well, <laughs> extrovert. You know, my, extrovert. My, my wife says uh, uh, I'm not a boring person. I just get interested in boring things. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but it, but anyway, um, you know, we're at the level of debt now in America, over thirty trillion dollars in debt. Fast forward two years from now, perfect world. Uh, the Republicans are in the White House. Republicans control Cong both houses of Congress. You know, we're at the point now where in just a few years uh, with rising interest costs, uh, it's, interest costs in our budget is rising faster than Social Security and Medicare, which is not secure. Um, you've, got the, you've got the House. You've got the Senate. You've got the White House. What's your ideas on, on controlling this national debt and get, getting our house back in order? Well, the first thing to realize is we don't have a – taxing problem in this country we got a spending problem bingo so what i love it excuse me let me let me clarify this when people say that we need to reduce the deficit i go whoa 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 you don't reduce your deficit in your household budget you end the deficit and you reduce your debt yep so i think we need to have a vocabulary training around the country about the difference between deficit which is how much you overspend every year versus the debt, which is the accumulation of all of that. So I really think that, first of all, you bring the deficit to zero by, and I think you need to do that by growing our economy, controlling spending. And you can work that down so you don't shock the economy. But we need to reduce our deficit to zero. And then, like, I think in a bipartisan way, and 
Maybe we'll do it with all Republicans. I don't know. But in 1995 was the last time that the deficit was at zero. We need to get to back to that thinking. And a lot of that came through uh, some reforms that Newt Gingrich put into place, the Speaker of the House, that really grew our economy so that we could do that. So I think we got to grow our economy and we got to think about reducing spending. Because when we stop spending in Washington and stop taking money out of people's pockets, it doubles, triples, tenfold in the economy. And it doesn't happen when you spend it through the lenses of the federal government. What do you, what do you think about uh, the possibility of, you know, hey, you know, in, in the past it just doesn't seem like this can get done. What do you think about the ideas of a convention of states getting this done? Well, you know, that's, that's something we certainly take a look at. It's written into the Constitution um, it, to end-run and intractable um, legislative bodies. I would like to attempt it without that. Uh, but, again, it's written there by our founding fathers as a um, release. I think one of the concerns is that would it become a runaway train? But I don't, I don't see that in the uh, Convention of States um, uh, in Article 5. But, anyway, I, you know, again, let's take a look at it, but let's see what we can do with a Republican House and Senate and in 2024 Republican presidency. Is it a foregone conclusion that Mitch McConnell, will, assuming the Republicans take the Senate, that Mitch McConnell will be the head of the, the Senate for the Republicans, the majority leader? Well, historically, you know, it's always been by acclamation. There's never been a vote. But all I'm working on right now is me winning this thing in 27 days. That's what I'm exclusively focused on. And I'll tell you this. Whoever is Republican leader, here's what I want for them. I want them to be the majority leader not the minority leader. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I won't, I won't share you my opinion with that right now. <laughs> <laughs> there are lots of opinions. Let me tell you what, uh, where can people get uh, in touch with, uh, Ted Budd and your, uh, w- your website, if they want to donate, uh, and are you going to be down in the East anytime soon? Oh, I'll be in Edenton here, uh, tomorrow evening and I'll be spending some time, uh, out in the East in the next couple of days. Look forward to that. Um, Carteret County, Craven County, I'll be all around uh, the east parts uh, of the state. Now, we want to get a hold of me. Go ahead. Oh, tedbud.com. If you can get the D's in the right place, you're you're set. So it's T-E-D with one D, Bud with two D's, tedbud.com. I'd be honored to earn your support, especially as we try to win this for our country in the next 27 days. Now, all the areas that you just mentioned where you're going to be in the east in the next few days is in our coverage area. So if they go to tedbud.com, is there a schedule up there that they can find out where they can come out and meet you? You know, I don't know if it's on there or not. I can talk to the, the team and make sure we put some things up on there. But you can also email info at tedbud.com. So better yet for the events, if you have a question about an event, just put it in the subject line. Uh, what you're looking for in the east, and it's info at tedbud.com, and we'll have folks looking out for it. All right, one last question. Uh, after you win, you will make yourself available to news and views on a regular basis. You got it. Well, All right. if, where's the contract? I'll press hard. I'm making three copies. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Congressman Bud, uh, Thanks, and much success to you, and uh, finish strong. God bless you all. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Ted. Bye-bye. Stay with us. Benny and I will be right back.
This is your Drive at Five and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in News and Views, Tom, Benny, and Clark. And uh, thank you for uh, Congressman Ted Budd spending a few minutes with us this afternoon. And uh, was we've been working on that for a couple of weeks now. Um, your thoughts? Well, my thoughts is, you know, we've got uh, early voting starts, what, next week? Yeah, early yeah. voting starts next week. And, um, you know, he says he's got some Eastern North Carolina campaign stops. I mean, I, I really I really wish uh, he'd be a little bit more um, with, with the debates. I think it's the only debate they're doing, correct? Right. The one they yeah, had last it, Friday. Yeah. And I, I think he should have pressed the issue and, and actually agreed to more debates because – you know, like I've said before, uh, Cherry Beasley's won two statewide races, and name recognition is so important in that. And uh, I mean, luckily he's got his, he's gotten some a lot of money recently. And uh, you mentioned the money from uh, what uh, Mitch McConnell's, Mitch McConnell's war chest, I guess. So hopefully that'll counteract some of these commercials. Because you know, people say all the time they hate negative ads, but unfortunately pr- they work. It proves they, they work. They I mean, I, I see people all the time on issues with candidates. When they say, man, I hate to hear that about so-and-so. I was like, look, I can tell you that's absolutely not right. true because I know it. But they just – people believe what's on TV, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're a little bit more skeptical. But you know, the other thing, too, is it, it's interesting. I, so much of the money spent is spent on uh, local TV, and many times it's the major markets. It's the Greensboro, Winston-Salem, Charlotte, Raleigh-Durham markets. Mm-hmm. I don't watch local TV. I'm sorry if you're a local TV <clears throat> fan, but I, I just I just don't watch local TV, and uh, so I'm not exposed to the hundreds of of ads that are out there. Well, I think the key is, and it seems like his campaign is, has picked up on this because the debate the other night they hit this pretty pretty hard. I think you make the connection to Joe Biden and make the connection of what's yeah. important to people right now, and and between now and the election, I'm telling you, gas prices are going up. Yep. Yep. Um, inflation numbers are coming out. Uh, crime hit hit. You know, people want to be. Uh, they want a, a good economy. They want to be able to, you know, pay for gas and groceries, and they want to be safe. And under the Biden administration, and almost every Democrat-run state and city in America, it, it's a mess. So I, the more he can tie Cherry Beasley to those things and talk about the positive things that he intends to do different, I, he just got to keep hitting those things home and. Uh, not take a shotgun approach, so to speak, but more of a rifle approach on the on the issues that are most important to voters. You know, it's interesting. I I, I think people do vote with their pocketbook to some degree, and uh, noticed that there was a. Uh, I'm trying to find it now, but there was a uh, story out that in the third quarter, Republicans outraised Democrats across the board. It was a pretty significant number. I, I'm trying to find the number, and I can't. I don't see it, but. Uh, they you know people are voting with their pocketbooks uh, they they outraised them that was the other question i wanted to ask uh, uh congressman bud was what kind of dollars has he seen come from north carolinians versus how many dollars has cherry beasley seen from north carolinians mm. I, my, my hunch is now, now both of them obviously uh, she just got four million bucks he just got 10 million bucks but obviously, both of them are getting a lot of out-of-state money. I, I know early on she was getting yeah. a boatload. Basically, I, I think early on it seems like she was getting um, uh, a combination. Of course, you know, 
I mean, she was so much further in her her race than what uh, when Ted Budd and what Pat McCrory and Marjorie Eastman, I guess, was a three. But I mean, her her campaign early on out of state, you know, dwarfed theirs early on. So, well, this is not the only Senate race that's in the news. Uh, two top Democrat senators today said they believe Pennsylvania Democrat Senator candidate John Fetterman is fit to serve, despite worries about the effects of a stroke. <laughs> Uh, Dick Durbin said, yes, I do. I think he's going to be fine. I've seen him in Chicago, invite him to come to a fundraiser. John's ready for this job. Um, Senator Richard, don't ask me about my military service, Blumenthal, (laughs) said there's no indication that Fetterman won't be able to serve. I'm not a physician, but I believe he's healthy. So Tricky Dicky and General Blumenthal thinks Fetterman's okay. Well, I would not. I would say that NBC is not a conservative organization, not a conservative outlet. But listen to what this NBC reporter had to say about Fetterman's uh, cognitive abilities. Cut one. Because of his stroke, Fetterman's campaign required closed captioning technology for this interview to essentially read our questions as we ask them. And Lester, in small talk before the interview, without captioning, it wasn't clear he was understanding our conversation. That auditory processing where you know, I'll hear someone speaking, but sometimes I'll be able to be uh, precise on what exactly that they're saying. I use captioning. His campaign required that he be allowed to use a transcription program on his computer during our interview. I always thought I was pretty empathetic, uh, uh, emphatic. Uh, I think I was very, excuse me, empathetic. Uh, you know, that's an example of the stroke, empathetic. Yeah. I always thought I was very empathetic uh, before having a stroke. But now after having that stroke, I really understand, you know, much more kind of the challenges that Americans have day in and day out. So you say you're on the road to full recovery. But right now, voters really have to take your word for it. We've asked for your medical records. We've asked to have a conversation with someone from your medical team to interview your physician. You've declined those requests. Why? Well, I, I feel like we have been very transparent in a lot of different ways when our doctor has already given a letter saying that I'm able to serve and to, to be uh, running. I mean, respectfully, that letter from your physician, that was six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> Fetterman is uh, going to use closed captioning during the debate, and he is also asked <clears throat> to see the questions ahead of time. I mean, this is not. I mean, we we know that these things aren't debates, but this is this is beyond the pale. And listen, I'm not making fun of someone who's having real difficulties as a result of the stroke. I mean, my grandfather had a stroke, and this was decades ago, and you know, that was a time that you had a stroke, and you know, it 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 was basically a death sentence. Yeah. Um, back when he had it, it's just amazing to me. Which you know, if you know much about Pennsylvania. You know, it, the rural areas of Pennsylvania, I mean, it almost yeah. has to be 100% Republican because to overcome Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, right. which is always heavy, heavy, heavy Democrat. But it's just amazing. I mean, you look at the polls. I'm looking at 538 now, about seven or eight different polls. And Fetterman leads anywhere from three to 18 points. Yeah. And I, I mean, these are respectable polls. You know, the Marist College poll is normally pretty, pretty decent poll. It, it's plus 10 for Fetterman. That's uh, hard to believe. It's I mean, hard it's to believe. It's unbelievable that. Th- but but here again, the guys won a statewide race. 
and there's so many people regardless of what they hear first of all people don't follow politics that much and the large percentage of people don't follow politics that much and when they see somebody's name that's familiar hey john fetterman he's lieutenant governor i'll vote for him it's going to be interesting to see how Pittsburgh goes because Pittsburgh votes Democrat because it's a union town. <clears throat> but they're blue collar and they're suffering. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say too, though, you, you, you got to note that yes, he's had a stroke. It's it's sad, but we're talking about a U.S. senator here. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, we've already got a guy in the White House that has cognitive issues. Now yeah. we're going to have another U.S. senator that has the same thing. And listen, he has acknowledged he has a difficult time processing what someone is saying. Mm. He and it's it looks in it. It's not as if he was deaf and can't hear and just needs – he can't process it. That's that's a little scary, especially if you're going to be a U.S. senator. So for the good people of Pennsylvania, um, you, you're basically saying you're going to elect a guy that's just going to rubber stamp whatever Chuck Schumer yep. says. Bingo. Because he can't understand him. It's, he's going to be a placeholder. Uh, perhaps if he's elected, uh, he'll resign within six months and then replace him with someone uh, – well, it's not going to be a conservative. It's pretty obvious. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's uh, 27 days away. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. 561-8255. Charles from Wilson's on the line. Hey, Charles. Hey, Charles. Hey, just wanted to uh, weigh in real quick on the Senate races. Um, you know, I, I don't not saying who's going to win over the other, but when you look at this, I called this weeks ago, I, I never really believed that Fetterman had a 13-point lead. Now they're saying today they're calling it a toss-up. And when the liberal media starts to uh, put um, make the issues that you all just discussed about his health, um, that's almost like they're prepping the excuses for if, preparing for if he loses and the, the way they're attacking Herschel Walker too, yeah. um, even though he's got his issues, they're do, they're they're they wouldn't be doing all this if they weren't worried. Bingo, bingo. And listen, uh, Warnock or Warlock, as I like to call him, <laughs> he, he's got issues that uh, are a whole lot worse than what Herschel Walker's got to deal with. Hey, Charles, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Sorry we couldn't give you more time. Uh, Our thanks again to Congressman Ted Budd. And uh, go check his website, tedbudd.com. He's going to be all over eastern North Carolina these next few days. We'll be with you tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.